Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. This is Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode. My guest today is Melissa Forziat. Melissa, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. I'm so looking forward to it. Melissa was on the show back in October of 2017, so over two years ago. That's episode 155. And today we're going to revisit what she is really great at. And one of the reasons I'm excited to have her back on, and I've been a fan and have promoted her services and products for some time, and that is budget marketing for small businesses. We, as small business owners like myself, are on tight budgets. And it's very easy to spend a lot of money or be asked for a lot of money for all kinds of different marketing things. But Melissa has a lot of great tools, courses, and other products to help us get our marketing done, but on a budget. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including the links to the show notes page for this episode, and you're going to want that because there's going to be some special offers and other things that will be on the show notes page, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I'll send you the link. So as I said, Melissa was a guest back on uh, episode 155 in October of 2017. In that episode, we got into a lot of detail on her entrepreneurial journey, which is fascinating. So I definitely, if you haven't listened to that or haven't listened to it in a while and want to learn more about Melissa, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 155. Melissa is an entrepreneur. She's also a marketing consultant and event planner a former artistic gymnastic. And currently, she works with small business owners and nonprofits to develop impactful events and also strategic marketing plans. Before starting Melissa Forziat Events and Marketing, she held event planning roles at the 2006 and 2010 Olympic Winter Games, the 2011 Rugby World Cup, and at the U.S. Olympic Committee. Through her experiences with some of the biggest brands in the world, Melissa learned the principles of building a brand, creating a marketing message, and reaching the right target markets, which is so critical for small business owners in particular. Melissa recently published a series of popular guides, or actually not recently, they've been out for some time. There is a new one though, but those guides include small business marketing on a budget, a crash course in online marketing, the marketing funnel worksheet, defining your target market, and the most recent one, which we're going to chat about certainly in this episode, overcoming your marketing roadblocks. Uh, these guides help you focus, help small business owners focus on achieving greater success with their marketing initiatives. She also has online courses, and she'll summarize all that for us. Melissa lives in the Seattle, Washington area. Once again, Melissa Forsyat, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to be here. I, um, if you do just such a great job in taking a deep dive with your interviews, and I'm, I'm happy to see what comes out of this conversation too. Thank you. I appreciate that. That episode that we did back in 2017 is, is still one of the most popular episodes. I think, again, it's so accessible and so on point to us and my audience. Uh, but we're not going to get into the details of your journey because we did that, but I am curious what what has changed? What's been going on in those two years? So specifically, what, do you, what would you say has evolved or grown or how have you evolved and grown as a small business over, owner over the last couple of years? Yeah, there's been a lot of evolution for I me. Can <laughs> I Yeah, I would say, um, you know, when I first started my business, and this is eight years ago, uh, 
my business started by accident, which is I'm sure a story that I told yeah. on that last episode. Um, and it started by accident because I got a big client. And for that first year or two, I would say it was mostly that big client that I was focused on because I was trying to figure out what I had just done to myself. You mm -hmm. know? <laughs> I was like, what happened here? I think I just started a business. What does that even mean? <laughs> and uh, after that first couple of years, I started to really think to myself, this is the right path. I, I like what I'm doing, but one client does not a business make. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. that's a very risky, dangerous place to be. So, you know, the evolution of the last couple of years, I think, has been an extension of maybe the last five or six years where I was really starting to look at different ways to expand on my client base, on my offerings, um, you know, and find all these different service arms that I could incorporate into what I was doing to have less risk and to, to serve people in a different way. And in the last few years, I, I would say that I now on the marketing side of my business have five different service arms, including I do quite a bit of public speaking now. Um, you know, organizations that speak to small business owners often hire me to come talk to their the small businesses in their in their network. Um, but I also work with small businesses in a lot of different ways. And I've I've found that people look for information in different ways. Some people are real you know, do it yourselfers and they like to get information and work through it on their own. And other people like, you know, all the information to be done for them and people are at varying levels of budget. So over these last few years, it's been great to think about how I can serve all of those different audiences through different offerings that I have. It's just, I'd say to sum it up, you know, if you want to think about evolution, I would say I treat my business more like a business, mm -hmm. um, which feels like a good place to be. Yeah. So th that's great. And that that's typical, of course. And, and I, I think I read somewhere maybe on your website, one of your 2020 core values is working hard and smart. Mm -hmm. And that relates to my next question about productivity or efficiency. If you think back over the last couple of years, are there some things that you're doing differently that have made you more productive and better able to work smart? Yeah, a big part of the process for me in defining my direction and getting more efficient is working through my own marketing funnel, which is an exercise that um, I have a course for and you know a guide for and I do for clients, but I did it for myself first. Mm. And the first time I did it was quite a few years ago when I remember thinking, what do I do all day in my business? How do, what do I do for marketing? And the, you know, it started out with me creating five and a half page. It was a five and a half page word document, just sprawling with information about what I do all day. And I thought, this is not workable. This is not a format that I could possibly improve. You know, <laughs> like this is just a bunch of words. So, you know, I created my own marketing strategy that first time and it helped me completely reevaluate what, what was happening in my business and where I was spending my time. And what was so great about doing that the first time is that I now revisit it every year. Mm -hmm. And that's how I strategically plan for my own business. So for me, I spend a lot of time marketing my own business and talking about my business and being able to put it in more of a structured way helped me refine it. Um, and get clearer about the directions that I was going in and cut out busy work where I was doing it because there were definitely places where that was happening. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Why, uh, why are you still a business owner? What is it that still drives you and what does it do for you? 
Yeah, I think there are a couple of answers to that. The, the first answer that I'm sure a lot of us and a lot of your listeners can relate to is it's, it's kind of hard to imagine not having the flexibility of time that I have now. Um, although I work a lot, I make, my, I make choices about my schedule that an employer would never make for me. So uh, it allows me to be at my best and to make decisions about my time. And so that's really important for me in terms of my own lifestyle. And then in terms of the people that I serve, something that I love about working with small businesses is that if you can give one good piece of information at exactly the right time, it can change somebody's life. Mm-hmm. It can change the way they operate their business. It can change, it can change everything for them. And there are moments when I see it all over their faces and it's like, ah, that was the information you needed and you didn't even know you needed it. So those are the moments that I look for and why I continue to work with not only, you know, do my own business, but work with this particular audience yeah, because it's just, so you see the evidence of the impact that you're having to these individual owner operators and how how valuable it is to them. Yeah, and sometimes it's not even marketing. I, I remember sitting down with a woman once. Uh, she was one of the first marketing clients that I sat down with, and we were in a coffee shop, and we were we did maybe a two hour consultation about her marketing and. You know, she had this lovely business, uh, you know, jewelry business, very expensive, very high cost of goods, high cost, you know, working with metals, you know, she was renting factory time and, uh, or foundry time, I should say. And, you know, there, there was just a lot of expense in her business. And at the end of the conversation, we got up from the table and she had left her receipt there. And I said, make sure to take that so you can expense it. And it was just an offhanded remark for me. And she said, what? Hmm. And I said, sit back down <laughs> five minutes, five minutes. Yeah. And I said, you know what? You go get your money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the, gov- the government has been kindly holding onto it for you and you can, you can get that back on your tax return. <laughs> so right. Right. Uh, it was interesting because that was money she needed and it was her money. And that wasn't even a marketing piece of advice. I wouldn't even have thought to say that. And it just came out and, you know, whatever she paid for that consultation, she made that back so many times <laughs> over no doubt. Uh, for the life of her business. Yep. Yep. No doubt. Wonderful. Great. All right. Let, let's dive into it now. I, I, I thought I would start with a kind of an overarching question of since we last spoke, can you think of some things that, that you think have significantly evolved or changed as it relates to small business marketing? Is there anything, you know, whether it's a tool or a method or something that that has accelerated or decreased that that we should think about as small business owners. That's a it's an interesting question because the answer to that is always yes. Just I'm going to give a blanket yes. Things are constantly changing with marketing. Um, platforms are 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 going away. Platforms change their terms and conditions. There are new things that that come about. There are networking working groups that disband or form, um, things are constantly changing there. And then in addition to that, your target markets are constantly moving, right? So just because the platform still exists doesn't mean people care about it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think even though you're not looking for a simple yes as an answer to the question of are things changing and evolving with marketing, the answer is yes. And our responsibility, the moral of the story as business owners is that we need to be evaluating what's happening. Yeah. You know, 
whatever you're doing to get your business out there, to get your brand out there and to connect it with people, it's not enough just to do it. It's important that you find ways to track what's working for you. And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes there are things that we do that are strictly for brand awareness and mm -hmm. it's hard to gauge what's working, but we have to look for any ways that we can measure things because you will start to see trends. You'll start to see when something becomes less relevant. And then the important thing is to pay attention to that information. Yeah. What yeah. else can you try? You know, so instead of saying like, you know, this particular way of marketing isn't working for everybody, I think it's better as a business owner to look at what you're doing and say, is this as impactful as it was last year? And if the answer is no, how can you start to pivot or change what you're doing there to make it work better? Yeah. No, well said and agreed. I mean, in other words, um, everything has changed and everything is the same. In other words, tracking and measuring is so important. Um, and also that challenge that we have as small business owners is I, I can't afford to spend a bunch of money on just brand awareness. We, we have to measure most of that budget. I have to be able to measure it and make sure I'm getting something in return. And then the testing, because things are, if anything has changed is that things are changing faster than ever. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we last talked, one of the things, for example, that comes to mind is just a specific example is how much more important now Google reviews are. Right. When we talked two years ago, it might have been Yelp or some other TripAdvisor, but now it's all about Google reviews. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? There's going to be an ebb and flow in all of that. That's right. Um, and, and that happens to be what's important right now and for, for some businesses. And I think. <laughs> it's why it becomes so important to have multiple avenues where you're getting your business out there. Because if one of them starts to ramp down, you're still okay. You'll find something to replace it. And in the meantime, you still got all these other things that you're doing to reach your audience. So, you know, it's, it's why it's so important to not only be trying new things and testing new things and putting yourself out there in various ways, but then actually like looking for what the results are and how you can find out what's working for you. And you may find, you know, for, for my business, for example, you know, I do a weekly newsletter and every, you know, every week I do a marketing tip. It's an in-depth piece of marketing advice and I package it up and I put it in a newsletter and I send it out to my whole audience. And I have people who call me up and this has happened on many occasions and they'll say, I've been reading your newsletter for two years and I'm ready to work with you now. So, you know, the 50th time I sent them a newsletter, you know, I still might not have been able to track the results and see the impact there. But even just by getting on the phone with them and saying, where did you hear about me? <laughs> you know, I start to collect not only the information about where they heard about me, but what they've been looking at since then, you know, have they been watching videos or reading blogs or reading my newsletter or some of these things where maybe I wouldn't have noticed the impact of it as much, but now they're telling me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the kind of thing that you can plant out there in the world and, and try to collect that information. Yeah. And the challenging thing with that though, Melissa, for a small business owner is those things take time to produce, right? Mm -hmm. And so that can be challenging, but it relates to, let's just go off on that tangent, a, a blog post you usually you recently uh, released on this very topic. You said, quote, the on-ramp of your campaign could last for weeks or months this on-ramp may include many different stages of nurturing, that's a key component, 
before you even begin to tease the upcoming offer, the early phase of nurturing primes the audience, which is part of what you're talking about, end quote mm-hmm. there. So I think that's something that, that we struggle with as small business owners. Now, this applies more so uh, depending on the type of business, right? Uh, mm-hmm. but, but still, I think that we expect to throw the offer out there and people will immediately buy, yet the reality is that we have to build some level of trust, some level of awareness, certainly, before people are going to take action on that offer, right? Absolutely. There's always a trust building process that needs to happen there. And some of us have a longer on-ramp than others. You know, I just said that there are people who wait two years before they pick up the phone or, you know, write an email to me to reach out and inquire about my services. But let's say, you know, your tooth hurts. Um, how, how, you know, you're going to make a decision about a dentist pretty quickly sure. um, because your urgency is a lot higher. But in that scenario, what do you do to formulate trust quickly? You're not just going to show up in any dentist office. You want to feel good about the person that you're, that you're going to. So yeah. what is the process that we go through as consumers to build that trust, even if we have to do it quickly? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really the big thing to remember that as business owners, obviously we want to sell our products and services. That's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. And we want the time that we spend in our marketing to be, effective and to have those returns. But the truth is that the trust building process is critical for sales for so many of us, if not all of us. And so you have to be willing to invest some amount of time in that process. And for some of us, more time is required than others. Um, You know, when I talk about this idea of having an on-ramp, I believe that a lot of the people who work with me work with me because they've gotten to know how I'm going to deliver the information. They've gotten to know who I am. They've gotten to know that I'm not fly by night. They've gotten to know that I'm going to be really detailed and informative. And they've learned that by watching what I put out there and, you know, seeing me in speaking engagements and, and all of this, the way that I present myself is part of why they want to choose me. Yeah. Uh, and I have to be able to put that out there long before I ever ask them to buy something if they're going to actually buy it. That's right. That's right. All right. I want to go back though, however, to the tracking, because I think it's so important, Melissa. It's amazing mm-hmm. to me how many small business owners I speak to. And this, it doesn't matter what type of business. If you're in retail, it's about asking your customers how they found you. If it's more online type services where we can track it even better, but Mm-hmm. It amazes me how people do not track lead source, sales source. And it's so critical to them be able to go back and see what is working, right? Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, and yet it's, it's like the number one question, right? It's, it's like, should well, be, what, yeah. what should I be doing for marketing? Yeah. Well, what's working? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, right. I don't know. Okay. Well, you know, start to think about that. You know, there are other, I think it's, it's funny to me because a lot of times it seems like, people just think of marketing as something they have to do and they don't really they don't really think of the the how or the why it's like the fact that they did something related to marketing that day they can sort of check that off the to-do list but mm-hmm. just because you were there doesn't mean you got impact from it sometimes it it just takes a little bit more effort you know something that i found a, a lot of times when i'm creating a marketing strategy for a client you know, we'll talk about the ways that people can hear about their business for the very first time. And I'll say, okay, or is there anywhere, for example, that you're networking? And they'll say, oh yeah, I go to a chamber of commerce meeting once a month. Great. What do you do to formulate business at that event? And they'll say, oh, not much. I go and I eat the muffins and (laughs) I leave. 
It's like, well, that was a waste of your time. (laughs) You know, there are people in that room who could be business allies, maybe even clients of yours. If you go and you eat a muffin and then you leave, you didn't get any of that opportunity, right? What should I, in a situation like that, what what should I, give me some, some ideas on what I should be doing instead. Yeah. I mean, I like to say like when you're in a room with a bunch of other businesses or a bunch of potential contacts, first of all, who, who would be a meaningful contact for you? Know that up front, you know, like who are you looking for when you think about who to have a conversation with? And when you meet that person, can you say, let's meet for coffee just one-on-one after this, or your services are really interesting. Can you send me some more information about that? Uh, and get drive them into a deeper conversation where you can actually learn more about what you both do. Or if it's potentially a client, ask them more information about what's happening for them so that you're starting the conversation that you can hopefully carry to another forum later. You know, if you can get somebody into a second conversation, you'd be surprised how many people don't follow up at all from a networking event. There are, you know, as somebody who's really introverted, when I go to a networking event, I find it very off-putting when, you know, five minutes in, somebody shoves a business card in my hand and they walk away. (laughs) I know I'm never going to hear from them again. And I don't want to contact that kind of person again either. Right. Because that's not somebody who I feel like I'm going to be able to form a deep business relationship with. So, you know, if you can get somebody into a second conversation, it kind of, <laughs> there are very few people who actually make that second conversation jump. And it's amazing how much business that you can do once you've gotten to that point. But, yeah. you know, for so many of us, it's like, oh, I did some marketing today. Now I'm done. Right. They, <laughs> check like, that off the list. Just I yeah. attended that, you know, that's going to generate business. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the ways that I try to look at it and I advise my clients is, what you're trying to do in those situations is just get someone to say, hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Not trying to sell them my product or my service there in that situation. That's not realistic. And I think it eliminates or, or it relieves a lot of the pressure. All I'm trying to do is I have to be ready to share enough to engage in that first level conversation to get them to say, that's interesting. Let's talk. Yeah. And those are more fun conversations to have anyway. Absolutely. Because if everybody cares about what's being said in the conversation, you're probably going to have a pretty good conversation. Those ones where it's just like somebody's trying to sell you something that you don't want. That's a hard, that's not fun. That's not fun for anybody. And uh, those are generally not productive conversations to have. So, you know, I think it, I so agree with what you said there, where it's really just about trying to, you know, find that point of interest and, and hold that as long as you can. So to, to wrap up on this, on this one point we went off on, I think the key thing for anybody who has a business is the more often you asked, how did you find me? Why did you buy from me? Those types of questions we want to try to ask as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if we've got a restaurant or a retail situation, a little harder, but there are certainly opportunities and we do it at our restaurant. And so you got to gather that information because that's how you're going to help. And then measuring those lead sources so that you can decide what's working, what's not working. Like you said, you're continuously testing and that's what keeps you up to speed with what's evolving. And every, every business is different. Every market is different, right? Absolutely. And even different offerings that you have may be different. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, there, there's just so much that changes. And I like to say, because a lot of times people will say, but do, do I really need to market? And 
to me, marketing is foundational to the health of your business in the same way that something like bookkeeping would be, right? Mm -hmm. You have to, it's not just, you know, but I kept my books last month. Why do I need to do it again? It's <laughs> something that's constant and we're constantly doing it. The trick with marketing is that it's always changing, right? Bookkeeping, you can use certain platforms, you can use certain structures and that can stay consistent over time. Right. Marketing is always evolving. That's so right. not only do we have to keep doing it, but the rules keep changing, which can be frustrating for us as business owners. But nonetheless, if you want to sell, if you want to make revenue, then people have to know about you. Yeah, agreed. This is David Begin. Before we continue with this episode, I have a few questions for you. Are you planning on opening a car wash and getting overwhelmed? Are you a bit confused and searching for unbiased advice? Are you an existing car wash operator searching for ways to improve your employee turnover or trying to solve other operational challenges? I have faced and overcame some of the same obstacles over the past 15 years to help develop a very successful car wash business. I can provide you with the guidance you need to help you navigate and solve the challenges we all face in this business. If you want to learn more about my one-on-one -on -one car wash coaching program, then I invite you to schedule a free coaching call with me. Please text the word FOAM to 31996 and I will reply with a link to schedule your free call. Let's chat about one of the challenges you're facing and let me help you gain some clarity. Again, please text the word FOAM, F-O-A-M, to 31996. So you've been doing a lot more speaking engagements. I'm curious as to are there some common questions that you often get from small business owners about marketing that come up in these speaking opportunities? Yeah, that, you know, I speak on a number of different types of topics. Um, so the topic that they came in for generally dictates the kinds of questions that I'm mm, going to get. I see. Um, but, you know, I would say, you know, a, a, I think a core question that a lot of people have is just not even really knowing what they need next. And sometimes they don't even know how to articulate that. So it may show up as, you know, they've come to, I don't know, a talk about social media but I'm sitting there listening to their questions and thinking you have no marketing strategy okay. or you have no idea what your brand is, you know, like, and I can hear it from the questions they're asking. And yet they're asking me a question about hashtags, you know, and it's like, I, I think for me, the big thing is sometimes the question that's not asked of what is it that I really need to be doing right now? Um, like what's the next step for me that's going to help me get to that next level. And you may not be at a point that's that granular yet. And if you aren't, let's look at the big picture first. You've so got the big are, picture. People now are getting get ahead of themselves with tactical uh, things, but yet they don't have a plan. They don't understand who their target customer is. They don't understand the customer journey. They haven't done that work first. Is that yeah, yeah. And I and it happens a lot and it makes sense, right? Because you show up at a, a you know, a workshop and um you do have this question and people are telling you that you need to be in this particular place, you know, on this particular platform and you don't know how to use it. So you think, well, I better learn how to use it, mm -hmm. but maybe the question is, should I be there to begin with? Right. Um, so I think for me, a, a really big fundamental is just saying, um, sure, get granular when it's time to get granular. Um, but, are you sure that that's where you, the thing that you needed to be granular about? And 
I really encourage businesses to think more about the fundamentals to ensure that they're going on the right path. You know, if you know for sure who your target markets are and where they are and what your brand is and what your strategy is, it answers a lot of questions. That's right. Yeah, that, that's what I find is exactly what I was thinking is that if you do that work and I get it, it's hard work. So I think that's why we tend to reach for, oh, I'll learn about Facebook. That's what I got to do. No, no. If you spend the time putting together who your target audience and customer is, what their behaviors are, where they live, those answers come out of that, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's the foundation to everything. Um, you know, you wouldn't try to read a novel if you didn't know how to how to read the alphabet. You know, I think it, it, it all has to start from a place of knowing what's meaningful for your time. And then the time you spend will be far more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's a big one for me because the, the question, the specific questions I get can change from place to place, but I often find that people haven't got a good handle on the, the fundamental aspects of their marketing. Yeah. Okay, tactical question at the beginning of the year here, I always try to put together some kind of a a budget or a plan for where I'm going to spend my marketing dollars. I'd like to get your thoughts and tips on how to do that. I use a a spreadsheet. I typically break it up, you know, depending on the business, by month or at least by quarter, what we're going to spend it on. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so if it's social media, let's say it's paid ad, pay-per-click ads, we're going to do these events, we're going to show up at these shows. What do you recommend? Is that how you recommend kind of building that yearly budget for marketing? Yeah, I'm going to give you an answer that you might not love it. Um, <laughs> it's because it's going to be one of those, it depends kind of answers. Yeah. <laughs> so where I would start is what's your marketing strategy? What are you doing to reach? Like, what are the ways that you can reach people effectively for the very first time? Mm -hmm. What does it look like when they become your best customer or client? And what's the road to get there? So if you can dictate, if you can determine what all those pipelines are, it helps you understand what activities you're supposed to be doing. And the activities that you're doing could cost a lot of money or they could cost no money or somewhere in between, right? So I think looking at it from a standpoint of budget is great if you know that you're gonna be doing advertising mm-hmm. or maybe you're gonna attend conferences because you wanna network and you think there's really good specific leads you're gonna get there. But I think asking the question about budget first is sort of putting the cart before the horse because if you know what kinds of activities that you need to do, you can gr- you can get creative within your budget to meet your needs, right? So yep. like if, if you said there is a specific event that attracts a thousand people like my target market, I want to sponsor it. Well, that's going to be a bigger money outlay, right? But, you know, for example, I worked with... Um, a photographer for a long time who didn't have much budget to spend as he was starting his business. And so I just said, why don't you go out to different places and take pictures? But when you do it, go out with your spider holster, you know, the, that big holster that has all your lenses, put all of the lenses on it, be safe, bring a buddy, <laughs> but have, be a spectacle, have a ton of really impressive camera equipment hanging from you and just go and take pictures. And sure enough, you know, he would go to dog parks, he would go to nonprofit events and people would come up and they'd say, can I see your photos? And 
he'd say, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not hired for this event, but I, oh, I'm happy to show you what I'm taking for fun. And he'd get clients out of it. And that cost him $0. He was building his portfolio and uh, it was networking within his means. And so I think if you can start with what your strategy is, you can, you can find a way to do it within your budget. Yeah. I, I have often said that with marketing, you either spend money or time. Right. So to me, if you spend more money, you probably spend less time. If you spend more time, you probably spend less money and you mm -hmm. can ramp that up or down accordingly. Yeah, I think that that ties into when I look at how my wife does it for her travel consulting business, which she lays out as a, as a calendar of activities over the year that are tied to certain themes. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's not so much about the money, although we'll tie a budget to it. So if it's like, if it's like posting something on her Facebook group page, we might boost every other posting and there's a budget to that. Right. Mm -hmm. But the way she looked at it is a calendar of events more so like you're talking about. And a lot of it is not a lot of money. It's a matter of time, but because she's laid it out, she can now execute on it consistently. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's where it helps, you know, before you say what, how much budget should I spend? I think my thing is saying, what are the line items that need to be in the budget mm -hmm. first? Yeah. And then once you know that, you can start to play with the dollar figure that goes in there or the time figure that goes in there. So if, if, if you were to say, you know what, actually it's really not moving the needle for me to throw a bunch of money into online advertising. What if I were to go to three networking events a month, two networking events, one networking event a month, how much would that cost me? Okay. Well, you look that up and you can say, all right, so this is how much it would cost me to go to, this regular chamber of commerce event or this, you know, there's an industry association that meets once a month in my area, you know, that there may be different groups that you can network with. And that's a totally different way of looking at it. But that, that could be the best way for you to market your business, right? So there's a lot of different ways to market our businesses out there. And I say, figure out the line items first and then figure out the budget. You know, it could be that you spend all your time building cold lists and doing cold outreach. It takes a lot of time, uh, but it might not cost you any money. So you can really find, you look for what your circumstances are. You find the, light, the line items that work within your strategy, and then you formulate your plan around that. And, and hopefully our options change as we get further into business. You know, you may start out and you've got zero dollars to spend, but you've got some time because you don't have a lot of clients yet. But then right. a couple of years later, maybe you've got some clients now. Hopefully you've got clients now and you can mm -hmm. say, I just don't have that time to give anymore. I'm happy to throw a little bit of money at this and it changes your options considerably. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. We talked about this, I think, in our last episode as well, Melissa, but the thing, one of the most powerful things, I think, to have a plan, a budget, a calendar, whatever, combination of what we've just talked about. One of the things that has helped me with is it keeps me from that reactionary throwing money up on the wall to the next person who comes in and sells me some other piece of advertisement or some sponsorship or some promotion, right? Mm -hmm. Most, a lot, I find that a lot of small business owners tend to be reactionary and there's no plan. And so they're just spending here, there, whatever comes next. And it doesn't necessarily fit in to that overall strategy or plan. 
Absolutely. And if any of your listeners are in that scenario, you are in very good company. And, (laughs) you know, there are always going to be people telling you, oh, if you advertise here, you're going to get access to this. And this is the reach that we get. And that's great. But that doesn't tell you if that's right for you. Only you know that. And you're going to have to have a way of evaluating that, which is why I think it's so beneficial to start with developing your strategy, because then when opportunities come your way, you can say that fits or that doesn't. And you know whether you should pursue the conversation Um, or maybe you file it away for a year from now when you think that may be more relevant to where your business is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, there's always going to be people offering you things, you know, and you have to have some criteria for whether that's money well spent or time well spent for you. Yeah. Agreed. All right. uh, Some quick fire questions here on, on just methods of budget marketing. You you touched on email marketing. That's something you're still doing. You send an email once a week. Like you said, it's very well packaged. It's very informative. It's deep, but you give me kind of a summary of it. It's that marketing tip of the week. So that you still obviously are are bullish and high on email marketing as one method. Yeah, I really am because when you think about um, when when you think about the ways that you can market, you know, anytime your marketing rests on somebody else's business model, it's a sort of dangerous place to be, right? Because yep. that business could go away, they could change your terms and conditions. So no no matter how strong the platforms are that you're using right now, they could go away if you don't own them. And so, you know, when, when you really think about that, um, how can you guarantee that you're going to reach people? There's only so many ways that you can contact them directly and, you know, that you'll be able to keep a, you know, fairly updated list on that. So for me, email, you know, having people's emails and being able to market to them that way is one of the few things that you can sort of guarantee for yourself at this stage. And you know, the frequency doesn't necessarily have to be weekly. You know, I started out doing monthly newsletters where I tried to pack in a whole bunch of content and people were just overwhelmed by it. So for me, it actually worked out better to go weekly. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are businesses out there who do quarterly. There are businesses who do daily. And it's really just about, you know, what's, why are they going to open it? (laughs) You know, like if you're giving them the value and you're just staying top of mind for them, then you stand a chance to keep that lead warm and hopefully get them to commit to something later on. So I am a big believer in email marketing, especially for, for people who, you know, are really reliant on, you know, for, for example, I know some businesses that are only marketing on Facebook and it's like, that is so dangerous, you know, because I don't care what, you know, what platform name you could insert in there instead, but you don't own it. You yeah, know, no, and not only do you own it, but Facebook is a perfect example. You know, three, four, or five years ago, your posts were seen by more people. Now, mm-hmm. if I don't boost a post, nobody sees it, right? And, and even beyond that, let's say it was still working just as well. You know, it could be glitchy tomorrow. Correct. You know, they could change their terms and conditions, and if that's the only place that you were reaching people are you just never going to reach your audience again? You know, so it's, to me, it's like, where's the risk in your marketing and how can you mitigate that as much as possible? So it's one of the reasons that for me, it's like, how can we get to a place where you at least have emails and you're able to stay in front of people with some amount of frequency um, so that they're warm when you're at a point when you're ready to make an offer? Yeah. 
All right. Um, I got a little bit more time here because I, I want to touch on one of the methods that we chatted about that I still mm. find very intriguing is collaborative marketing. Mm. And you gave an example. And I'm wondering if, if you have another example to share about how small business owners can take advantage of what you call collaborative marketing. Let's, let's explain what it is briefly. And then maybe there's another example you can share that you've seen of how people are doing that. Absolutely. And I love talking about this topic, um, collaborative marketing or partnership marketing, you could call it as well. And I think it's really just about forming allies with other businesses or other influencers. And we can all do that. We can all do it within budget you know, how there are a lot of different ways to boost another business's voice and have them boost yours back. And, you know, it could be as simple as uh, we both have a brick and mortar location and we're going to put postcards in each other's locations and, you know, or it could be verbal referrals or it could be, um, you know, newsletter mentions or, you know, it, it could be any number of ways. It could be something as elaborate as co-hosting an event where you invite both of your audiences. So it can be a little thing or a big thing, but there's just being able to support each other in accessing new audiences and um, reinforcing each other's voice can go a really long way in your marketing plan. And you can, if, if you came up with a list of 10 businesses that could be really strong potential partners for you and you were able to, you know, sit down with 10 different businesses and, decide on how you were going to help each other. What an expansion of reach that is yeah. um, to have that kind of support. And you just never know, you never know when it's going to be helpful. Um, I have, I do have a little story that I can tell about this. Sure, yeah. There was a theater that I worked with for quite some time. I did, a, I um, often volunteered to sell tickets from their box office for certain shows. And one night uh, as a total surprise, out of the blue, two A-list celebrities walked in. I'm not even sure if I should or cannot say their names, uh, <laughs> but it was this moment where it was like, huh, two really well-known A-list celebrities just walked into a theater. Can I close them and get them into the theater? That's the first question, right? <laughs> so it was like, whatever I could do to get those people in the theater, I did it. And then they sat down, they enjoyed the show, and you know, at the end of the night, they took a they took a picture with the whole cast and they, it, it became like a viral sensation for about a week. It was lightning in a bottle for this theater. They were getting local press. They were on national entertainment news outlets. They were getting mentions. Um, it was a huge boon for this business for a short time. And that's the kind of story we all want, but it almost didn't happen because those two celebrities before they walked into the theater they had uh, gotten ice cream at an ice cream shop two doors down from the theater. And they said, what can we do in this town on a Saturday night? And the owner, the person who was helping them at the ice cream shop said, oh, you should go one town over. You should check out the, the you know, the locks and the salmon hatchery. And it was, it was nighttime, which was hmm. so ridiculous. And there was a live comedy show two doors down from them. And it was one of those things where like, if they just knew to make the verbal referral, right. <laughs> you know, the reason those celebrities walked into this theater was that when they walked out of the ice cream shop, they happened to walk to the right instead of to the left. Interesting. And they saw a sandwich board outside. 
and they thought, hmm, this looks interesting. Let's see, let's see what's going on in here. And so it was just, and they, and they did that at exactly the time that I was out there selling tickets, <laughs> you know, like there were so many things that had to happen in this perfect storm kind of way for these people to walk into this theater. Right. And there were things that could have been guaranteed. Yeah, especially <laughs> you know? in, a, in a small business community like that, where that's what business owners are looking for. How can we help each other? Right. It, yeah, would, it, it would not have cost a lot of money um, and not even that much effort to, to spread that word and to, to join together to help each other. Absolutely. So you better believe that theater has since hosted chamber of commerce events. They've been, they've given free tickets to the local businesses so that they had, could have their employees check out the show that that way, not only do they know the show exists, but they can talk about it and they can say, Oh, it's so funny. Uh, you know, and get people to become aware of it. Um, and that was a lesson that they, fortunately they didn't have to learn it the really hard way, but (laughs) they, they, it was a really, close to a near miss situation. And I think it's the kind of thing that makes you think about what kind of support can you get from the businesses around you and what kind of support can you lend to them that is easy for you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like couldn't be easier and yet you're still providing meaningful value to the businesses yep. in your community. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I love because we can all do that. And you know, your options change if you've got budget, but you still can help and get help from those around you. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great example. Thanks for sharing that. All right, uh, we've touched on it, but but summarize for us again the, the services and the workshops and other things that you currently offer your clients. Absolutely, yeah. So I work with small businesses and we really focus on uh, low budget marketing and marketing strategy. So there are a number of ways that I can work with clients. Uh, for those who do have budget, I can do the marketing for you. But in most cases, what we're looking at is consultations or projects to form your marketing strategy. Um, in addition to that, I also have courses online and I have low cost guides and things that you can access that information and do the work yourself with that written guidance from me. So there are so many different ways that I can support. You can find out about all of them from my website, um, melissaforziatevents.com. And it's really just about what is the way that you learn best and what kind of time do you have right now to work through your marketing? And then I can meet you where you are with the information that you need. So for those of you who are in a space where you're looking for very low cost education or free education at this stage, I've got a lot of blog content for you to start looking through. And then the more, you know, the more uh, resources you have, the more options I have for you. Yeah. And that that's, again, as I said at the outset, why I wanted to have you back on in part is this is great content, in-depth content at the right, at the right price point for us as small business owners. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a, you'll go to the show notes page to get this, but you're offering a free download, this tool that I referred to overcoming your marketing roadblock. So just tell us briefly about what they're going to get in that download. Yeah, this is, this is one that I've been wanting to create for a while and it's launching in February of 2020. So I am so excited um, that this is right around the corner for me. Uh, For when you're listening to this, it's probably already launched. And so what this tool is, is usually when people talk to me about what they need in their marketing, they don't know how to articulate what they need. 
sometimes what they say is I need to be making this amount of revenue a month, or they're saying, I feel really disorganized right now and I'm not sure what to do. Um, so most of the time, when I start a conversation with a prospective client or somebody who's just looking for marketing support, it starts with a bit of a Q&A for me saying, okay, what's really happening in your business right now? What do you really need? And through that process, I'm able to say, okay, from the things that you said, here's what I actually think you need from a marketing standpoint to move forward. So this resource, Overcoming Your Marketing Roadblocks, entirely cuts through that process. It is the Q&A and you can just read it and assess it for yourself. Yeah. basically a self-assessment tool. So the, you know, the way I've structured it is, you know, I've put different sentences that I often hear from small businesses. And if you resonate with one of them, you know, like I feel really disorganized right now, mm -hmm. I actually have a whole page that breaks down for you. What does that mean? What do you need to work on now? What does it look like when you get through this roadblock and you get to the other side? And from there you can actually figure out, okay, this is what I need to tackle next. And I provide resources that can help you with that, but you also now just have a name to put to it. So wherever you are in your marketing right now, if you're a small business owner, this is a really good resource for you just to get clear on your next steps. Great stuff. And we'll have a link to it. You can find it on Melissa's website, but you can also easily go to the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. And there'll be a link for it there, as well as some other links to some of her courses. And again, they're at the right, right price point, but very deep in content. And that's mm -hmm. why I like to refer them. And I have been referring them for the past couple of years. Okay. Yeah. We'll take a turn here, Melissa. Uh, book recommendation. You know, I'm always looking for one. Last time you were on, you recommended Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. I'm sure there's another book that comes to mind that you would recommend. Yeah, I've got a really cool one for you, and it probably couldn't be more different than Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've heard of this one, but I, I'm reading um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I have <laughs> read that, yes. But why Isn't do you that like great? it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, it's so interesting. So for those who aren't familiar with it, uh, you know, Chris Voss was a lead hostage negotiator for the FBI for quite some time. So he's got some really interesting stories to tell. Mm -hmm. But the reason I'm reading it is that he talks about tact using tactical empathy to resolve hostage negotiations. And I figure if it works for a hostage <laughs> negotiation, Maybe there's some stuff I can learn there for sales, <laughs> you know. So and so, what what, what are really some of those things? How do you how do you how have you translated some of that to sales for what you sell? Well, I think it's directly transferable because what he talks about is specific language that he uses. Um, he talks a lot about using labels and mirrors. He gets a very detailed, this is the kind of content that I like. I mean, for somebody like me who likes to give detailed in-depth content, this was a book where I felt like um, I need a companion worksheet for this because mm -hmm. I was getting a lot of really useful stuff that I think you have to practice it to start applying it, but it's a lot about the specific word choice, the order of the way that you approach somebody um, he has some specific sentences that he uses a lot, a lot of open-ended questions. Um, and, and he does it in a way that's about, you know, can I build a relationship even yeah. within this very stressful, very toxic, very dangerous situation. And, you know, I think what, I think what's interesting is that when you frame it from that very dire standpoint, 
Um, even your most stressful sales or negotiation conversation in the business world doesn't seem to hold a candle to that. Yeah. So I, I think um, just taking some of those ideas and starting to play with my own language and how I communicate with people has been interesting. And I'm still still working through that and testing it out and seeing what works for me. But I thought uh, is an interesting angle on yeah. the conversation. Yeah, great, great recommendation. Thank you for that. All right, I'm also now asking about a time management tool, tip, technique, could be something simple. As we talked about at the outset of this conversation, your, your focus this year on working smarter and we touched a little bit about that because I kind of asked you this question early on, but is there a specific tip technique that you've applied over the last year that has helped you with time management? Yeah. Um, so for me, I have absolutely no problem at all working. <laughs> What's hard for me is to stop working mm. and to take good care of myself. And that's something that I've had to really give some thought to in the last couple of years. So one of the things that I've done for that is by very simply like scheduling things into my calendar, such as, you know, like, for example, I take a couple dance classes a week and it's in my calendar and I go, you know, and, and that was something that was really my first line of defense for getting into a better self-care practice. Mm -hmm. But something that I did last year that has been very helpful for me, and I think you're all going to get a sense of of my personality when I tell you <laughs> about this process. I guess judge me if you will, um, but it works for me. Uh, I decided to reward my self-care practices without being overly specific about exactly what that constituted. So I, uh, last year and the end of, uh, 2018, I, got myself a special calendar that I would only use for this purpose. And I made a list next to it of anything that I do that just categorically felt refreshing or recharging. And it could be, you know, get seven hours or more of sleep in a night or go for a walk or, you know, and some of the things were really refreshing and some of the things were just sort of baseline. So I put, you know, a point system to it and anything that was just like that's baseline was a lower point and anything that was like, Oh, that's unusual for me to do. But when I do it, it feels really good. You know, that would get a higher point system. So every day I just, before I go to bed, I make a note of the things that I did. And if I get up, you know, to a hundred points in the month, I give myself a tiny little reward, something that I get really excited about. And I've done it every month. Um, for what is it now? We're like 13 months now. Um, I haven't ever fallen short. And I thought to myself going into this year, does that mean that I need to challenge myself more? Right. And I decided that's not what that means. Mm -hmm. I don't need to become like a self-care magician. <laughs> you know, like I don't need to be world's best trophy carrying, you know, card carrying self-care person. Right. I wasn't doing any of this stuff two years ago. Right. You know, like for me, this is about attainable good practices that make me feel good. And um, so, you know, that's been something that's worked really well for me. Yeah, I, no, I love that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it, it, it takes a certain kind of personality, I guess, to do it that way. But what I like is it gives me flexibility to say today was not a day that I could do this thing, but I did right. this thing instead. And that yeah. was great. 
it kind of reminds me of the, I don't think they call, it, they call it the star chart or whatever that we do with kids sometimes where you give them points or rewards and if they get X number of stars and you get to go somewhere. But I love how that, that just helped you keep it top of mind awareness. It gave you a goal that works for you and your personality. And then putting it on the calendar, you know, your, your personal stuff on the calendar is so critical. And then treating those with as much respect as you would, you know, this appointment you had for this podcast, right? Yeah. It's equally important. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. stuff. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Well, maybe give somebody an idea out there of a thing that would work for them. It, exactly. It worked for me. So right. I'm that's sure right. there's somebody. <laughs> and that is the idea. We, we hear something and says, you know what? I want to try that. So that's exactly why I asked the question. All right. Let's summarize. What uh, do you want us to take away from this conversation we've had about marketing on a budget for small businesses? Yeah. I, I mean, I think if we're just talking about one big takeaway, I, I think I would summarize it by saying, don't be asleep at the wheel in your marketing. You know, be aware of what's happening in your business and how you're putting your message out there. We have to do it. If you want people to buy what you sell, they have to know it exists. So how can you put that information out there and what is actually working for you? Um, you know, to really pay attention to that and to really look for the answers to those questions and not just assume that because something worked for somebody else or something worked for you last year, that that's the solution. We constantly have to adapt. And that just means being vigilant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, measuring it, being vigilant, testing. So those, those are key takeaways for me as well. And then in addition to that, for me, it would be the obvious, which is you have to have a plan that that kind of testing and measuring feeds that plan. But then the plan will answer a lot of those questions, as you mm -hmm. say, as to what do you need to do next? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more about you and your business. Yeah, I think the best place for people to go is my website, which is melissaforziatevents.com. And there's a lot of resources you can get to from there, including free blogs and, you know, that overcoming your marketing roadblocks, uh, self-assessment tool we talked about, all of my social media platforms. Um, Facebook is a really good one if you want to meet other business owners and you want to network with them a little bit. Um, I do a lot of networking events on my page. So there's a ton to explore if you just end up on my website. Fantastic. Melissa, another great conversation as I knew it would be. So thanks again for making the time, for sharing again your stories, your, your knowledge. Thanks for being with me again today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I just love that you do these deep dives and, and you really mine a lot of interesting information in your interviews. So thanks for having me back. Thank you. I appreciate that. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Howa Business. My guest today again was Melissa Forziat. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com. Or you can just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com. And leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.